last season on The Substandard. Number 19, Michael Crichton. Number 18, Michael Gambon. Number 17, Michael Bay. Number 16, Michael Jordan. Uh, Number 15, Michael Jackson. And he said, oh yeah, I got some hot buttered corn. Everyone knows King Arthur wasn't a chap. What this movie presupposes is, maybe he was. And that's why you should kill a hobo at least once. Bam. Hello and welcome back to the Substandard, sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Stop spending a fortune on gimmicky shave tech you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. Get your first month for only five bucks with free shipping by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. I'm Victor Mattis along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. I'd like to remind you the Substandard is available on iTunes and Google Play. Just look at our podcast and search for the Substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. In addition, we'd like to remind you the Substandard show notes posted by Jonathan Last are sometimes available at every Friday at 11 a.m. at weeklystandard.com. They will be this week. This week's show notes are actually going to be, they're not just going to have show notes, but they're going to be so great. Oh, man. I've already done like half of them. It's going to be amazing. We're back. As as the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark would say, what shall we talk about? I am sure our listeners are all wondering uh, where we've been. And specifically, I'd like to know where JVL has been. Um, You're like Don Draper. Did you go out racing cars in the desert? Uh, Did you join a hippie commune? Uh, tell us. Uh, so we were gone mostly because of my fault. I had to go away to, I, w- I was in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado, and uh, at the Broadmoor Hotel. Mm. Never been. It was really very nice. And uh, and then I spent last week in lovely New Haven, Connecticut, mm. teaching for a week, teaching a bunch of very nice, uh, very smart high school mm. kids who were a little bit morally confused. But other than that, we're, we're really lovely. In what way? Yeah, do elaborate, please. It was a JV. class on politics and pop culture, and these children were resistant to our argument as to why the Empire in Star Wars is good, <laughs> which is fine. They're callow youths. They must be taught the ways. I don't mind that. Yeah. But hold this in your head at the same time. They could not see the Empire from Star Wars as good, yet they thought the Joker was the real hero of the Dark Knight. Hmm. Do you know why? Hmm. Because well, he doesn't lie. Except okay. for his face. <laughs> so, Except but, for how but, he sliced up but his all, face. But all he does is lie. He lies so, He lies to Batman. He but not to the people. To the wrong... Not to the people. He's not a phony oh, with, okay, his, right, with, right. with fake rules of society. And so I said to one of them, I was like, so you think the Joker is holding Caulfield? And she's like, yes, yes, oh, that's why. This oh, is children of the... Children are like goddamn worst. So, but this was your job is to you know shape these minds. So. This, this is an interesting... An interesting window into the mind of the millennial is that one of the things that upset them most, I mean, so The Dark Knight is a movie about compromises and about the ways in which people trying to defend the liberal order can themselves be compromised when faced with an illiberal threat. And one of the things that this class of 20 kids, again, very smart, very nice kids, all were universally upset about was the lie about Harvey Dent at the end of the movie. Hmm. Because Mm -hmm. the people of Gotham had the right to know the truth about him. Mm -hmm. And, 
any aspect of like, well, you know, but in order to get Gotham like cleaned up, yeah. you have to have a noble lie like that. They did not like the idea of the noble lie. Well, and this is, but then this is, of course, kind of the 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 meta point of the third movie, right? Which is that the noble lie is in it in and of itself bad. Right? Is that, it, that one it of can, the... that it can that it can undermine the order? I don't know. I, this is something. This is well. This is I know. This All is, lies have consequences. This is an argument that, that our friend. True. This is an argument that our friend Matt Continetti makes. That the that the third movie essentially makes the argument that the the noble lie is bad and that it it undermines the order too much. Undermines the order more than like upholding the noble lie. I don't agree with this. Obviously, this is one of the reasons why I don't think I agree with that. Uh, but um, uh, I, I, I would go to halfway. Right, the noble lie has consequences. And then you don't get to do it for free. I allowed Michael to watch The Dark Knight for the first time. Are you kidding? No. uh, We watched it over the weekend when we were up in Jersey. (laughs) What sort of parent are you? (laughs) He was a little scared of the joke. He's like, which is scarier, aliens or Dark Knight? I'm like, well, that's hard to compare. I said the alien's more vicious, but, you know, the Joker is really sort of psychologically terrifying and and he wanted to watch it anyway, and he covered. He didn't want to see the part where you know he knifes the gangster. I think in in, in the in the face, but uh, you know the scene where the two boats go out. Uh, Michael immediately said, "Well, bro- blow up the prisoners." <laughs> <laughs> He's a hard-headed. Realist. Yeah, I know. But that, and, that, and then his prediction was they were going to blow each other. Up. He says they're going to blow each other up at the same time. That was what he predicted. At the same time, both ships are going to blow up. And I said, "Did he no. have nightmares about the Joker?" No, no, no. But he, in fact, I think the next day. Uh, he me we my mother of course took them all to Toys R Us and he bought a Lego. Batman. Lego. Well, that's Batman good. So you've successfully desensitized your <laughs> yes, your children. He was to a little, even the level of he violence. Was, he was in a little scared about Harvey Dent, and then I explained about again the noble eye about why they had to do this and what's happening to Batman right now, and he's going to be you know sort of uh, you know being hunted and and they have, but the, you know it's for the for the good of the city. But it, it's very deep points. Did you manage to convince the students JVL? Of your point, ah, uh, hard to say. Hard to say. One of our listeners is the guy who runs this program, Rabbi Gottlieb, who's a <laughs> really great guy. I wish I could have co-taught this this course with him because he knows a lot about pop culture. And I am hoping to hear from them. There's a two-week course. I talked the first week. They're doing the second week now, and I hope to hear from him at the end of the week as to whether or not I had any effect whatsoever. <laughs> uh, it was kind of neat. I went out and bought the kids like little little souvenirs. I got them all comic books that I thoughtfully wow. chose for them mostly individually and then after after the class the kids came up to me and they were like oh mr Bro, I'm sorry, professor last oh they didn't call would you professor, professor did they really would, would oh. you sign my comic book oh uh, was, was, that, was that wait was that the greatest moment of your entire life signing a comic book it was pretty good signing signing a comic what well, somebody else had you did know, anyone but, call you doctor dr last anyone that, that happened no it was all it was all oh, professor professor, professor last did you like being a professor I did. I really enjoyed it. I did you tell them? Did again. you tell them about our podcast? Did you shill our yeah. podcast to your impressionable, uh, most importantly, young, young children? N- no, Ugh. I, I captive audience. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> one of them found me on Twitter. I made the mistake of <laughs> tweeting about them like just once, and one of them found me on Twitter and was like, oh, "Look, look, we're famous. We're famous." And I was like, "Oh God, okay, I got to stop tweeting about my class." Oh, that's adorable. Let me ask you this question: When you left the class for the last time. Did any of the students stand up on their desks and say, oh, oh captain, captain, my captain? captain. Oh, God. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, I, did, I did host a... Because uh, I'm picturing Dead Poets Society. The, the best moment of, of the class, though, was I hosted a screening of The Dark Knight. One of the oh, good for for the class, of so we all could watch it together, and the kids were really jazzed by it. Where, was for any of them, uh, was it the first time for any of them to see it? For most of them. <gasps> wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, this is a weird thought because were they juniors, seniors, sophomores? Mm, a split between rising seniors and recently graduated seniors. So these are kids who might have so been born in 99, yeah. 98. Uh, so the kids who were like 10 when the movie came out, basically. Like 2000? Yes. Eight, nine, eight, nine, 10, somewhere yes. in that range. Kids yes. with no recollection of 9-11 or anything like that. None. None. I mean, for and no recollection of nine eleven, and barely even an understanding of the fall of the Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, for them, the Cold War is what to us Vietnam was. Yeah, just yeah. something that happened in the distant past. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of, you mentioned Cottonetti. He was up there too, teaching with you. Matt and I were up together. We had dinner almost every night together. It was excellent. Okay. I picture him to be like the dean in Dead Poet Society. Mister Anderson, sit down at the end. Was he? No, the kids love. <laughs> oh, he's such a celebrity. <laughs> I had one of them come to me. He was like, "So do you, do you know Professor Continetti?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's God. the power of TV, man." It was something oh else. No, no, it wasn't. I don't. This wasn't even TV. This was because of the Beacon. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, the kids. Love We're huge. The Beacon. We're huge oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. with the kids. Huge among the kids. That's good. That's the yeah. demographic. That's, uh, that's freebeacon.com. Everywhere. <laughs> free Beacon. Well, good for you, JVL. All right, good for you. How was your weekend? I was going to say, Sonny, how was yours? Well, why don't you go first? You go. Okay. How was your? Weekend? Well, uh, my weekend was wonderful. Uh, if you want to go back several weekends since we've been uh, <laughs> away for some time, uh, I don't know I that was, we need a day by day breakdown. Not a day by day, but I had two trips to Jersey. I was up at. Can the, you rank the days since yes, we were off? Yes. Number yesterday. one, June twenty second. Number um, two, I was up at Cape May uh, for for the first part, and that was for my in laws. Fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary, and they took all of us up there, including uh, our family, Captain Bill Dwyer and his lovely wife Erin, and their two kids. We had a lovely time at the shore, and then the second time uh, until yesterday, I went back up to Tom's River to see my parents. Usually, I take the kids to Island Beach State Park, uh, but since I'm not friends with Governor Chris Christie, oh, uh, <laughs> no park. Oh, no park. No, the sign said it said all state parks closed. Did you notice all those signs on the turnpike? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. So, so that was that was that. But we did go up to your other neck of the woods, JVL Belmar. Yay, and Belmar. Beautiful sunset. That beach was crowded, and I guess that's not a technically a public a Belmar state park or anything. you got to pay to get onto the beach yeah, in yeah. Belmar. So you pay, and it was crowded, but we ate at an Italian restaurant called La Dolce Vita. And I, I love had, that place. Really? Yeah, oh, I love that place. Ocean and Forth, I think. And, and it is. for So you would not think this place is on the beach, and yet- the food is great. Oh, yeah. It wasn't we, always this way. Oh, okay. Um, so it's yes, new owners. They have a new and, owner, and I saw the yes. thing in, uh, in, on their website. So I got the Zuba de Pesce, and that's just all sorts of seafood on a bed of uh, linguine. It was fantastic. Did and you, like, you liked it there? I did. And then we yeah. checked out the new, there's a new uh, bar uh, near the bridge called Marina Grill. Oh, and yeah. They have ind- there was like a band playing on the inside, but it was so big. That I mean, I don't know how many people were there. It was like a thousand. It was crazy. I mean, we were sitting outside, ran into uh, an old friend of ours that we hadn't seen in a while, and so um, uh, it was great catching up with him. And in the distance, this is Sunday night. You could see the fireworks happening, just yep. all in the different places because it's all staggered. The p- different towns have it different. Not everyone had it uh, yesterday on the fourth. Uh, sunny. What about you? Uh, well, I spent most of the 4th of July weekend watching Glow, the new Netflix series on the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Would you like to know something? What? Yeah, go ahead. I watched the original oh, yeah? Gorgeous Ladies that, of Wrestling sounds, in yeah. first run. My brother, sister, and I yeah. loved it. We thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, the show's good. It's entertaining. It's fun. Allison Brie. Oh, I like funny. Allison Brie. She's, she's great. 
Uh, Mark Marin, who's uh, who is he plays like the promoter. He plays the director of the show. Is very very funny and caustic. He supposedly a, has a, a popular podcast. From what I I, hear. I don't I don't listen to podcasts, yeah, so I wouldn't know. No. Uh, but the uh, but yeah, so I spent a lot of that a uh, lot of lot of my time watching that. A lot of fun. Everyone should watch it. If you're, how many hours? It's short. It's ten episodes, and they average yeah. to about thirty minutes each. So it's five hours, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really good. Hours. You really like it's good. it. Yeah, I mean, we knocked it out in about three nights. Um, uh, and then last night, uh, I was up to like one in the morning because my dog was terrified because jackasses were shooting off fireworks uh, in around my neighborhood. Well, let's talk about the yeah. fireworks yeah, for a sure. little bit. Sunny, do you want to? Sure. Uh, well, what's, here's the what's thing. Going about, on look, here? I'm I'm like not a big fireworks person. Like whatever. If you want to go to the big shows fine that's if you want to watch it on tv with the orchestral accompaniment fine that's you know whatever i'm not going to judge you for your your weird viewing habits but like the people who uh live in residential neighborhoods and shoot their fireworks off into the sky or surrounded by you know people who are trying to sleep and have small children have dogs whatever uh are literally the worst people on the face of the planet uh, and uh, I used to think this, you know, growing up in like the suburbs uh, and kind of uh, out out in the country, I, I used to think this was kind of a white trash thing, frankly, that it was like this is what, you know, people people did because they, they like to see bright, bright lights and loud noises and they're easily amused. And then I, I moved into Washington, D.C. and I realized it's just a trash thing. There's no racial component because one of the nice things about living in D.C. on the 4th of July is that you get to play a fun game called Fireworks or Gunshots. And this goes on for like a week. It goes on for, you know, like three or four days before, three or four days after as everybody's running through their supplies that they didn't shoot off. Uh, and I, I, I thought it was like annoying, but whatever. When I was uh, when I was slightly younger, once I got a dog, it became actively angering because the dog freaks out anytime there's, you know, fireworks. She hates them, hates them. Crackling like, is noises. like is like digging into my side, trying to trying to get underneath the couch, you know. To, Your to, daughter was bothered, though. Well, she fortunately, slept. my 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 daughter sleeps uh, about as heavy as any. She sleeps the sleep uh, of the dead easy. every single night. That's she still good. sleeps like twelve hours that's as a two year old. It's great. Um, uh, but the dog was terrified. But other people have children who don't sleep this well, and for those poor people, for those poor individuals who have to suffer through really inconsiderate people just firing things off into the sky at 11, 12 o'clock at night. You know, I just, I, I, I want them all to know how bad they are, how it, bad they are. Like, at, like at, in Europe, they light fireworks and then they just throw it, chuck them at people, and they just throw them into the crowds. You ever notice that? You just, whoosh, just, just, just like another this. reason Europe's garbage. Uh, uh, hey, Sonny, did you like the video I sent you this morning? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, I was surprised that you were able to capture the, the, the trash aesthetic so, so magnificently. So here's what you don't understand about fireworks. Uh, we don't have the option to go to the big fireworks. So where Vic and I grew up in New Jersey, there are no fireworks. Even lighting up a sprink, a sparkler oh, you is get liable to you get, get the, the police yeah, yeah. showing up at your house. But what we bomb. have is that every single tiny town with a population over 200 has its own fireworks display. And so you can literally walk down to the local high school and at the football field, they will shoot off awesome fireworks and it's great. In the People's Republic of Virginia, there is none of that. Everything is organized by county, not by town. And the only way to see real fireworks is to trek into the city, which is a nightmare. Why would you try to do that on the 4th of July? So what happens is people take this into their own hands. And on my cul-de-sac, we when we moved there, we were sort of shocked at about 11 o'clock at night on the July 4th <laughs> to hear what sounded like the Battle of the Somme out front. And uh, 
it turns out that I would say my neighbors cumulatively spend probably five grand on fireworks every 4th of July. Wow. You know and what? They this... set them off and it is, I will put the video in the show notes. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Like they, it is not like, oh, you some sparkles. It is a show that compares favorably to what goes on in the National Mall. No, it doesn't. Uh, the, the, <laughs> what you just said is a good case for radically increasing the tax rates in this country, frankly. <laughs> if, we, if we have people blowing five grand on this nonsense, then we are a massively undertaxed country. That's a very Matt Iglesias point. Yeah. Well, it's a, no, it's amazing. And it's wonderful. And my so my so this starts so last night so for us on our cul-de-sac, the fireworks begin at about six PM and don't really end until eleven. So it's really like five hours worth. And it starts with the sparklers and the morning glories, and then it moves on to smoke bombs and poppets, and it gra- it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it builds. And my kids were really into this. I got them like Cody was running around with a lighter, lighting off fireworks. And uh and he was just enjoying it until we got to the illegal stuff because we have half the half the neighborhood goes down to South Carolina for their illegal fireworks. The other half goes to Pennsylvania. And when the first no, illegal, <laughs> the first illegal one gets shot off, my kid just jumps into the air and shouts, "America!" <laughs> and it's, he is essentially go. like Sean William Scott in old school. When Will Ferrell tanks himself, <laughs> that's sort of just you know <laughs> overloaded. Yes, that's awesome, and uh, it's great. We got to teach yeah. kids about danger, teach them about consequences. Remember when that football player blew up his hand playing with fireworks? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I I was glad when that happened because he deserved it for playing I, with fireworks. I talked to my. It is it is amazing to me that nobody's ever died on our cul-de-sac. <laughs> well, what was that? Was that a bottle rocket that he had in his hand? Or something? I have no. I don't. It, I don't remember. We used to fire them at each other, my friends and I. And actually, they just used to fire them at me. Yeah, right. Uh, and they would they would <laughs> let you run around in like a little little pen. And yes, they would shoot yes. The, it was usually, I think my buddy uh, Todd Paladino or John Buckley. <laughs> hey, Vic, here it comes. And there comes the fire. You know, thing. And and then one you time, were such a good boy. You would I, never do. No, fireworks. one time one of us uh, one of us put a, a a firework like a bottle rocket into uh, the hibachi grill while my friend Steve Russian was grilling. No. Yeah. Well. What? It, well, it just blew up, and he goes, "Oh, there it was!" You know, and just continued cooking. Did it break the No, it didn't just, crack. Yeah, it? that was a small enough thing, but you know, we were crazy like that. But the, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I went to. Uh, did it? Did it hurt the infrared rays? <laughs> of the laser rays <laughs> cooking hibachi. the meat. It was. It was a rusty hibachi. I don't think it was affected at all, and it you know added flavor. It added flavor to the oh, yeah. To, yeah, it smoke. Gave, it was like it was like fire, fire crackly. <laughs> uh, it, when I was a kid, we actually I remember going to New York and seeing the Fourth of July fireworks in the eighties on the East River, and I actually remember seeing Ed Koch on a boat going by and waving at everybody. But I was going to say, three times I've done the fireworks on the mall. And I would never do it again at my age, but I did it when I was in college and then a little bit after college. And the first time I did it was summer of 92, and everybody drank. And I wasn't even of age, but everybody drank on the mall. I think it was like open containers where the police just didn't care. And even in the late 90s, the, the, ne- the next two times we did it, then they started to crack down, and you sort of had to smuggle in and like what looked like water, but was in fact gin or vodka. And the thing is, this is all pre-9-11, so cops... We're searching backpacks for booze, not for bombs. You're just looking for booze. And I remember back in the day, it was great. Everybody had fun. Everybody got drunk. And then there was fireworks galore. But as soon as the fireworks ended, chaos. All of a sudden, the helicopter comes out with the spotlight. I'm there with my buddy Todd and some of my other buddies. And, and, and then you have the mounted police 
and then women are flashing and men are just peeing while they're walking. Um, I kind of miss those days. Imagine what it was what like was, in the seventies. What is this? What is <laughs> this? That was on the mall. It was. It was. It was on the mall. That was. That was Imagine the mall. it in nineteen seventy-eight. No, uh, no, yeah, it was. It was pretty crazy. Um, uh, but of course, they cracked down, and uh, I guess it was a uh, smart choice for the city to uh, have it less boozy and uh, and less chaotic. Uh, but you know what else is a smart choice? The Dollar Shave Club is a smart choice. Uh, You'll get a great shave at a great price conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to buy a cheap disposable razor that gives you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you didn't need. When I use my Dollar Shave Club executive razor with their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, the the blade glides ever so gently. It gives me such a smooth shave. Plus, their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter is transparent for a more precise shave. Helps prevent ingrown hairs, fights razor bumps. Now, listeners to the Substandard Podcast can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month uh, box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their Shave Butter. After your first month, Replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. Cancel any time you like, but why would you? You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. Uh, normally also this weekend, the 4th of July is also a big weekend for movies. Mm. Yes. Uh, and it was a huge weekend for Despicable Me 3, which did more than $72 million. Dollars followed by Baby Driver at twenty one million. Not to be confused by Boss Baby. Right. Not Although Boss that Baby. would be an interesting movie. Boss, Boss Baby, Baby Driver. Boss Baby Driver. That's next. That's well, the this sequel. Is, this is the Baby Trilogy. We've got <laughs> Boss Baby, then Baby Driver, and then Million Dollar Boss Baby Driver. There you go. <laughs> Directed by Clint Eastwood. Uh, and, and then Transformers Five, which has been out for two weeks, but it suffered a sixty two percent drop. Yeah. So shocking. it's done a yeah, little sh- over. Utterly shocking. It's done a little over a hundred million with a two hundred billion dollar budget or something. Who saw it? But JVL, it's, did it's you made see so much money overseas. Over so China, it I mean, made like, a zillion. Yeah you, uh, yeah, you you ran through the numbers here pretty quickly. You skipped over Wonder Woman. Wow, oh, where which, was she? Which, Closing out on seventeen which billion, is, <laughs> which is uh, gonna, which could eclipse Guardians of the Galaxy two. Uh, wow. Shortly here, which yeah, would be a pretty big, pretty big win. Which would be amazing because yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Two is a piece of trash, and Wonder Woman is an okay movie. Well, well, so it know. would be nice to see Merritt winning the, out. For the once. idea, the idea that good movies make more money than bad movies is not a idea that has been I know. proven in recent. I know. This is why I'm saying I it would be great. Uh, I am in favor of it. It has so far uh, been that kind of a summer. So yeah. you've seen the you've seen the trade. John, I did. John, I uh, we, we, we did. JDL and I and I have both seen Trans Fivers. Uh, so, do you want to go? You, you know wanna... that makes it sound like it might be a different kind of movie. <laughs> careful, careful, more, th- more than meets the eye. Uh, careful, <laughs> careful. I don't want to. I don't want to get canceled. First, first episode back into our season one point five here. The, uh, the, the robot actually identifies as a truck. <laughs> okay, sorry. Very nice. Thank you. Okay, uh, Sunny, please. Would you like to do the the big boy review, yeah, and then we'll talk about it, Sunny? JVL, do you want to review it? Because you also saw it. I don't want to. I don't want to step on your. 
No, I just, I mean, I have some opinions. Okay. So I don't really know how to review this movie for a podcast. I wrote a review. You can, JVL can put it in show notes. You can look at my uh, uh, archive at the free beacon, freebeacon.com, everyone, uh, if you want to read it. Um, The problem with describing this movie in any sort of like serious way is that the plot is totally incomprehensible and like utter lunacy. It basically starts in the ye olden days where uh, King Arthur is trying to fight back some invading hordes and uh, to fight off the hordes, Merlin, a drunk uh, Stanley Tucci, played with, with, like every other part in this movie, like played amusingly over the top. Like the good actors play their stuff amusingly over the top and the bad actors play it kind of seriously and straight. And uh, anyway, Merlin comes back with some dino- some some robots uh, uh, that have transformed into a dragon and sort of swoop down and destroy all the invaders. No, 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 I'm sorry. I have to correct you. Yeah. The robots have not transformed into a dragon. The robots naturally occur in the form of a dragon. I don't think that's right. I think they combine, the, the 12 robots combine into the form of a dragon. I think that is actually how it works. You See, this is the problem is that nobody has any idea how it works because this movie is so like incomprehensibly put together that it, it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, flash forward to the future where uh, uh, Transformers are still coming to Earth for some reason and the governments of the world have created a new world order. This is literally what they call it, a new world order uh, to destroy and take out all of these things except on the lovely beaches of Cuba where they hang out and like yeah. kick soccer balls around and stuff. Uh uh, long story short, Mark Wahlberg is running around trying to save the the few Autobots that he can. Uh, the U.S. government decides to team up with the Decepticons for some reason to get some sort of weapon. Uh, and Optimus Prime is out in space, and he brings back Unicron, I think, or maybe Earth is Unicron. I don't know. He he brings back uh, a lady transformer. The only lady transformer. There's the squid lady transformer. There's the squid lady transformer that he brings back. That is basically it's the only transformer that is a woman in the series, and she's basically a succubus. Is that is it? Can we? Yes. She's a robot succubus. Okay, now Uh, I'm interested. Continue. Right. So uh, so anyway, (laughs) she has tentacles, Vic. Yeah, (laughs) basically and automated. Amazing. Uh, Anyway, the movie the movie is if you're going to this movie for the plot, you're a fool. Uh, because what is what is more interesting about this film is the way that it kind of washes over you as a cinematic experience. It is this is this is a movie where you come out of it, and I literally was kind of woozy on my legs a little bit. I was want, I was like stumbling a, a little, almost like I was a little bit drunk. Uh, I my heart rate had increased. My my uh, my my pulse was pounding. I it, it as I described it, the the best way to think about this is like riding a roller coaster on meth or like going into one of those wind tunnel generators and just setting it to like hurricane category five and like standing there and letting it uh wash over you i just don't i i there's there and it's it's funny and it's but it like is just an experience it's an experience and it as as such it is kind of like it's not critic proof in the normal way that these movies are critic proof it's critic proof in the way that like how do you criticize a sensation you know how do you uh, how do you how do you like just quantify just how incredibly insane all of this is? I don't know. I don't know. See, I JVL. I felt that way about the first Transformers, which I at the time I wrote that it was as though Michael Bay had created the holy grail for Hollywood, which is that a movie which simply cannot be judged by any standards. 
intellectual, philosophical, mm. moral. It simply is. And that that was sort of a fun thing. This is different. But the, I, I would think. say, but I mean, the, compared to the first Transformers movie, which had like an actual story and a plot and some stakes, mm. and like things happen in it that make sense. This mm. movie, this movie makes this movie makes no sense at all. There's yeah. nothing in this movie that makes. So sense. JVL, did you did you like the movie or, or what did you think? So when's the last time you walked out of a movie, Sonny? <laughs> I've never walked out of a movie. I've actually, I've literally never walked out of a movie. I think I've walked out of movies once, possibly twice before in my life. Which movies? Uh, the one I know I walked out of was it's like the night shift man. It's something with Ewan McGregor in it where somebody was being given an injection to their eyeball. I don't, Ooh, I, wow. It was like a low budget Ewan McGregor horror film. And you did? You walked out of that? I walked it because I had no idea what was going on even like 45 minutes into it and it was terrible and I just was like, I would, I'm not reviewing this for somebody. I was here. I didn't pay to see it because I was there as a critic thing and I just thought I'm going to do something else with my evening. I found myself 40 minutes into Transfivers waging a personal battle of wills with Michael Bay in an effort to stay in the theater because I got the sense that he wanted me to walk out. Mm, mm -hmm. The movie is created with such contempt for the audience. <laughs> and I, I, I say this advisedly. I mean, pure contempt for the audience. That it is as if he is daring you to walk out. Mm -hmm. And I was going to not give him the satisfaction. I was going to sit there and I... <laughs> And I just kept like, you know, lock, nope, lock it down. Stay in here. Don't let him win. He already has your money. Don't let him win the battle of wills as well. And I failed. When, I, when, when, how long, how far did you make it? I think that there were about five minutes left. And you, like, no kidding. Like, I looked at my watch. I knew what the <laughs> runtime was. And with, as, the, as the ultimate battle royale is about to commence with Optimus Prime on Earth with the transform plan and having crashed in, I just tapped out. I yes. said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Was the theater crowded? Uh, no, not especially, but on the other hand, it was a very late showing and it was a weekday, so I don't know. I mean, I tend to skip these. Uh, I saw the first one and I thought the first one was enough. I mean, the, the dizzying special effects for me were like emphasis dizzying. If you can get a, a seizure, you know, from it's just too much. Can, can I tell you what, what drove me crazy about this? Sure. And so when I say content for the audience, I want people to understand, I do not mean that this played fast and loose with physics. I do not mean that uh, the, the idea of a movie with giant robots fighting in the street is crazy. I do not mean that there's no character arc for any of the characters in the movie whatsoever, or that there's no plot. What do you mean? I assume all of those things. What I mean is that taken purely on its own terms... This movie fails even the most rudimentary tasks of professional filmmaking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the scene which brought that home to me, I would like to now describe to you. Okay, sure. Go for it, JVL. The sequence begins in what the title card tells us is The Badlands, South Dakota. <laughs> The Decepticons come and attack the Autobots. The Autobots flee as cars to a nearby abandoned town. We know it's an abandoned town because we get another character in a scene establishing shot saying they're headed to that abandoned town. 
our first establishing shot of the abandoned town is with an elderly African-American gentleman sitting in a chair. I think it's a rocking chair on the porch of his decrepit falling down house. Yeah, and he's sort of staring off in the middle distance. And this is, okay, so you understand that. This is an abandoned town. Your next establishing shot is a sort of aerial view of the two-block downtown street, you know, what is Main Street of this town. No buildings over, like, two stories. Everything is falling apart. It looks like it was built in the 1930s. And then the robots all start fighting. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. You then get a scene during the fight in which in the background is a 40-story office building that looks like it was built in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> and first I thought to myself, oh, that's that's an interesting error. They forgot to digitally wipe that thing. And then there's like 15 cuts huh. over the next five seconds. And it shows up again. And it was at this moment that I realized, my God, that's not a mistake. This is part of the setting. Yeah. He's going to do something there. Yeah. And then they run into it. So they run into this giant modern 40-story building, which surely is the largest building in all of South Dakota. And in this abandoned town, once the main characters get into the lobby, in the foreground of the shot is a janitor mopping the floors. (laughs) (laughs) It gets worse. After the scene in the abandoned 40-story building with the janitor who is actively caring for the thing... In a small town in South Dakota. Abandoned they, small town. Abandoned small town. They then move next door to the office building where there is a giant but actually abandoned Catholic cathedral. Mm. And I mean giant. It's got spires. It has an enormous dome. It is the size of Chartres. <laughs> but it's abandoned at least because when they get inside it has cobwebs and dust and stuff. So the main characters get inside the cathedral and they start to, to hide trying to make their way to the highest point in the cathedral. And so they wind up somewhere up inside the dome. And up inside the dome of this cathedral, they find a small set of rooms. Mm-hmm. In one of these rooms is an abandoned bathroom with like a fallen down broken toilet. In the dome. <laughs> and this is what drives me crazy because these things yeah, are not accidents. Like, yeah. The plot does not require them. It is not that, you know, in order to make the logic fit or the story work, you have to do this or that. These are active choices mm-hmm. made by Michael Bay that have no bearing on anything and make no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And it is this, as if he is just daring the audience to say, yeah, you know what? You don't care. Yeah. You don't care at all. Yeah. And if you care, you wouldn't be in this stupid movie anyway. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do, walk out? Well, here's, I mean, I think you're, you you lasted, frankly, longer than anyone could have if they're like trying to make sense of the spatial kind of ordering of the film right like but you don't the even opening, need to make sense the of opening it. like the opening sequence in the in the dark ages i literally could not tell who was attacking who oh yeah who was on whose side where the fireballs were coming from who which i mean because the, but the, that's the problem just is sloppy the perspective these are like, active switches, choices the perspective switches from but i think it is an active choice and my friend my friend peter labuza on film uh a uh, a uh, 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 film critic slash film historian who is on Twitter at Labuza Movies. Uh, he had a very, I think this is a true statement and whether or not it is a good thing or a bad thing, we can take it. But here's a thing he tweeted. Too many film directors try to follow the rules of space. Michael Bay follows the rules of making awesome movies. Now here's like, again, what it comes down to for Michael Bay is he is just he is just putting stuff on the screen. It's like that old, there's an old South Park bit where they, they uh, the military calls in directors to like help them muddle their way through a plot. And one of them is M. Night Shyamalan. And he's like, what if 
the people attacking you are actually aliens. And the general says, well, that's not a plot. That's a twist. That's a movie twist. That's, And then they call in Michael Bay, and he's like, well, what if the guys attacking you are like, and then like, smash, and then, and then the general says, Mr. Bay, those aren't, that's not a movie. Those aren't plot points. That's that's just special effects. And like that is that is, I think, the essence of these movies. Now, I think he makes, I think Michael Bay makes other movies that are better that are not like the giant special effects in your face we are going to assault you and just make you feel the 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 pain of all of the millions of souls who have been captured by his camera and are you know like the ark of the covenant shooting through you uh like i i i too bad he didn't direct that movie sonny right well i mean his raiders of the lost ark would be a very different movie uh uh but like uh you know it, these movies, these Transformers movies, specifically the Transformers movies, and like to a lesser extent Armageddon and some of the others, are like just spectacle, just pure spectacle, overwhelming sensation. Uh, uh, and I, there's something to be said for that. Like I, like it, it takes a lot to pr- prompt a reaction from me in the theater given that I see 100 movies a year. And this movie prompted a very visceral reaction. Uh, like, literally visceral, mm. like in my viscera, like my guts. I, I got to say, I I agree with almost all of that, and I understand the spectacle aspect of it, and I appreciate Michael Bay's achievements along that vector throughout his oeuvre. Ooh. How's his mise-en-scene? That said, <laughs> this movie... Uh, struck me as as willfully yeah. as i said contemptuously yeah. made but and and i that almost makes me respect it more frankly like i like <laughs> honestly i know but i mean like i i i don't like the transformers movies i gave the i gave each of the transformers movies you know between 1 and 2 stars right, right. when they came out now, until this one which is like so aggressively over the top and just jolting and face punchingly you know awesome just awesome that uh, it is both, as I said in my review, which again you can you can find on the internet somewhere. It is like simultaneously a zero and four star movie. It is like incompetent in every single way, and yet overwhelming and amazing and incredible. Now, it now, is, it now, is Schrodinger's I movie. Don't even know how to. So if you're going to rank the Transformers movies, I, I mean, you would make this. I would. This would be my number one. one. This would be number one. Yeah. Okay. Now let me ask this, uh, JVL. Since you walked out of the movie, Sonny, did you stay all the way to the end for stickers? Do they have stickers at Transformers? There was like an, there was an inter credit sequence. Okay. There was like a mid mid credit scene. Maybe there was a post credit scene. I didn't. I was didn't John Turturro in it? No, it's like so the lady Transformer has transformed into a human and is wandering the earth and like amassing an army or something I don't know in other words they're making way for Transformers part 6 oh there's definitely going to be another Transformers movie so there's already they're already working on like a standalone Bumblebee movie I don't know how that'll work but you know (laughs) can we talk about the the one thing that I that I really actually love unironically love about this movie is Anthony Hopkins his performance, which I was is so ask, insane how and was, over the top. How is Sir like, Anthony Hopkins? My, my is it one thing, of his best performances? My favorite thing. My favorite thing is when he's he's in he's being driven in a car that's doing like ninety on the streets of London, and like cop cars come up next to him, and he does like an old man flip off, and it's amazing. He's just like ah, and it like it was. I was just like, all right, you're clearly having a lot of fun, Sir Anthony. You're having a great time here. I'm having a great time here. We're all having a great time here. This is great. 
Thank you. Are there Michael Bay movies that we actually like? I like a lot of Michael Bay movies. I mean, The Rock and Armageddon are... I like parts of The Rock. I find Armageddon, again, it's seizure-reducing. There's no scene that lasts longer than, what, four seconds? (laughs) Four. (laughs) Should we go straight to the ranking? Uh, I mean, I want to talk about Michael Bay qua Michael Bay. Yeah, yeah, sure. But we could do ranking first. Well, why don't you... Say what you want to say. What do do you want to say? Well, I, I don't even have like things to say. I have yeah. like things about him. Do you remember, Sonny, is this before your time? I mean, it is before your time, but maybe you would have picked up on it. There was a moment circa 2005, right, when The Island came out, when Michael Bay became a point of parody on the internet. In And it basically was the most clever thing the internet has ever done. There was somebody ran uh, the Michael Bay blog. I don't remember that. No. And the Michael Bay blog was a blog as if written by... Michael Bay, and it was yes, unbelievably right. profane. It was, fan- it was fantastic. And unbelievably fantastic. awesome. And the high point of it was a script treatment that must have been 5,000 words long, where the, the fake Michael Bay blog said, yeah, so me and the boys at Platinum Dunes went and worked up our own treatment of Snakes on a Plane. This is years before Snakes on a Plane was made. Mm. And the Michael Bay script treatment, fake Michael Bay script treatment of Snakes on a Plane is unbelievable. It is the most perfect parody Is it still on the maybe ever. You know what? I, uh, I made this sort of a personal project, and I found a version of it cached somewhere, and I went and published it on my site. I will link to it in, in show notes. This is why I said show notes going to be awesome, because there's all this fake Michael Bay stuff. And well, all you need to know is in the Michael Bay, the fake Michael Bay treatment of snakes on a plane, the main character is a cop whose partner was killed by snakes while they're being tortured by Haitian drug dealers. And they get on the plane and the snakes who have taken over the plane have been trained to fly the plane. So they're going <laughs> to commit terrorism. But there's one snake on the plane who's good and his name is Ace. And he and the cop forge an unlikely friendship and bond as they fight together. To I beat mean, the bad snakes on the plane, it's amazing. Like, like Turner problem, and Hooch, but with a snake. <laughs> the only the only problem with this, and I'm sure Michael Bay would actually be able to overcome it, but the signature Michael Bay swooping 360 shot from below to above would not really work in the fuselage of an airplane. I don't know how you would. First off, I don't know how you would create the. Par- I guess you could create the parallax effect with the with the seats. Kind of mimicking against where the yes. windows are, and yes. yeah. Anyway, it would work. Actually, I take it back. This is the, the greatest thing I've ever heard. No, no, this sounds the amazing. Other, the other greatest thing is somebody again. This is, I have a link to it. I will put this in the show notes. Did the Michael Bay script treatment for The Dark Knight, and it's amazing because this is this is actually not a script treatment. It's a <laughs> it's a real script. It's not the whole thing. It's like ten pages of script with all the cuts in it, and it's it's. I can't even tell you how great it is. There's a great scene where Bruce Wayne, it, and, he, and again, he includes like music cues in it. Fake Michael Bay, not real. People understand this is not real Michael Bay. And there's a scene in it where the, the general is explaining to Bruce Wayne what the Joker has done and how he has taken over the internet. And <laughs> Bruce Wayne says, well, there's only one thing we can do. We got to hack the internet. The general <laughs> says, hack the internet. That's never been done before. Which one will we even hack? And Bruce Wayne says, all of them. <laughs> it's, it's so great. That would work in that kind of a film. It's uh, it's really, and this this is the hype for me, 
the high point of Michael Bay is the fact that we have these great Michael Bay parodies. But there is a school of people, like an actual school right. of people who take him seriously. Like, yeah. I don't know, like the yeah. Criterion Collection yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this d- is, does Michael look, Bay movies. So look, here, whatever you want to say about Michael Bay, if you believe that the auteur theory is a thing, that the director has the ultimate imprint on a film and that... Uh, there are there are people who like there are people who work in Hollywood movies who use like the Hollywood system to kind of make their their own ideas known and you know the working through a, a you know if you believe in the auteur theory then Michael Bay is a prime example of it mm-hmm. um, I mean he is he just he has a style he has a signature style he has a signature signature shot he has a signature editing method he has a signature and he has ideas that he kind of works through throughout his films he's like a very populist filmmaker he is you can watch so, five minutes of any Michael Bay movie without and, knowing right. anything about it and know that it's a Michael yeah, Bay movie yeah, yeah yeah and the imitations are always not as good. I mean, the imitations are clearly imitations. They're not the real yes. thing. There's a there's a video yes. out there that you can put in show notes, JBL, uh, called uh, Bayhem, I believe, and it's one of these video essays about like how the Michael Bay aesthetic works, and it kind of shows you like why his movies, why why a movie by Michael Bay works and a movie like Battleship doesn't work. Why why the why it feels less epic. Why the like swirling three sixty shots don't work as well. Anyway. Uh, if you, so I, I do think that there is something to be said for, uh, Michael Bay's aesthetic just by itself. It is an interesting thing. It is like kind of a signature that, uh, that harkens to an era of, you know, kind of post MTV, um, hyper realism. I, I don't even know how to like or, like beyond realism. I don't I don't know what it, I don't know what it is exactly. It is a view of how the camera should act in a, in an action movie. Yeah, I think it's probably the way of yeah. That, that's not a bad it. way of, ex- yeah. of explaining it. Okay. So and 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 like I said, he also has a, he has like kind of an ideological idea of what the world should be like. For instance, everyone talks about how he is basically a military porn fetishist, which is true. Like he loves like airplanes and tanks and jeeps and guns first, and bombs. First film director to ever include a Spectre gunship in a movie. And that was, was that in the in second the Transformers. Transformers first, the first Transformers oh, yeah. first movie. It, was it begins sh- shooting the with a Spectre yeah. gunship circling and shredding an Insecticon. Right. So and it's amazing. He, so he loves the military, but he also he's also deeply skeptical of intervention. Uh, he is like deeply skeptical of the global order. He is deeply skeptical of, uh, you know, kind of, he is in in a way he is the perfect avatar of the Trump era, um, and I I I don't want to I don't want to get into it more than that. But like he is it's it's I you know even a movie like The Rock right, the, a movie like The Rock where the villains are nominally members of the U.S. military, but they have a legitimate gripe. But they have a legitimate gripe, and that legitimate gripe involves nonsense overseas. Essentially, yep. I, you know, I mean, it, it is it's like it, it's it, it is it is. And my my whole my theory on pain and gain, which I think may be his masterpiece, is that this is basically a movie about hyper focused or uh, 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 an American hyper power in the 1990s that has no focus and just understands bigness 
and doing big things and can't quite understand why it hasn't uh, succeeded in the ways will it you, wants to. Will you blow this out into a 1,500-word essay for I me? Co- I, I would think of... I, I, this I is re- your Act 4 column. No, I mean, this is... I've, I've written a version of this somewhere, I think, but I, I can't... I, I have to Why don't you contextualize it. this and make yeah. this your Washington Post column this week? Yeah, Please. Maybe, maybe next I want week. to read this. Yeah. Did you want to talk about your favorite Michael Bay movies? Vic, rank? will you rank? rank? Yeah. Get, my, you can rank my, all... Here's mm-hmm. the thing. He only has 13 yeah. films, yeah. 13 yeah. feature films, yeah. Five yeah. of which are Transformers yes. movies. Yeah, yeah. So you could, and I think do, the other five are bad boys. But uh, so you could do. I mean, you don't have to do all of them, but you could do if you want. Or you could just give me top three, top uh, five, top a top two, top two. That's all I got. Okay. Uh, parts of the Rock. <laughs> parts of <laughs> parts, parts of, the rock. of the rock. Because Nicolas Cage, I find too distracting. I love Sean Connery and almost almost everything. I think almost everything he's done. Uh, and also, the Rock has two very. Sympathetic villains, namely uh, Ed Harris mm-hmm. and David Morse. Yeah, David, David Morse, who is like, I, I've seen him more as a good guy than a bad guy. And even here at the end, he turns out to be kind of good. And again, as you said, right. they're military, but they're, they're not unlikable. In right. Any well, and and they contrast to the like to the real scumbags yeah. who are there for the money. Yeah, the mercenaries. Right? They're the mercenaries. like Ed Harris is like, all right, we're pulling the plug yeah. on this. We're not yeah, yeah, shooting yeah, yeah. the rocket yeah. at the we're football not, stadium yeah. or whatever. That's right. That's right. The that's VX. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And there's the great scene where uh, I guess Nicholas, it is Nicholas Cage who makes the one of the villains swallow the green ball. Yeah, yeah that's okay. If yeah. it's going to go anyway, that's a good way to, for that to happen. Uh, and the other uh, movie uh, then on the top spot is the second act of Pearl Harbor. Assuming <laughs> that the third act is the mm. Doolittle raid, mm-hmm. no, no. The second act, which is the actual attack, I thought was very well. I'll yeah. say it was very well done. Yeah. It was very well done. It, they did things that, you know, Torah, Torah, Torah would have done had they had yeah. the, the power to do it, including, as John Podhortz calls it, the money shot of the bomb going into the U.S. Arizona. the camera to follow. Yeah. It is, and down. I'm surprised I mean, nobody just died. Just I'm surprised the, nobody died in the crash just, into I mean, the just ship. being able to work the physics and ballistics of getting a, a bomb to fall through <laughs> just right. stack like Just that. right. And, but then have the camera following it as well is amazing. So, and you know what? Amazing. Okay. Uh, Who's next? Sonny. Uh, yeah? I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm not going to run through all of them, but I will uh, I will do my top th- three or four. Um, the uh, I think that was my phone. Uh, the uh, uh, number, number three, I would say, is probably Armageddon. Number two is... Uh, the Rock and number one is Pain and Gain. I really think Pain and Gain is like a a semi brilliant film. Uh, and it's it's maybe ten minutes too long, and it it has a lot of it has some of the Michael Bay issues, but it's got a fantastically funny performance from The Rock, um, and uh, Mark Wal- Wal- Wahlberg is great in it. Ed Harris again uh, is is another another good Ed Harris role. I I just I I think it's I think it is woefully underseen. I think everyone should should go. Uh, it's, it's on, it used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Uh, JVL. I, I would I would simply say that the island I think is underrated within the Michael Bay over. Uh, it's it's what happens when Michael Bay tries to direct a movie with an idea. <laughs> I I'm not saying it's good. Yeah. that's the Scarlett Johansson, Ewan McGregor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've actually seen the. I don't think I've seen it. It's actually. not good, but it's yeah. interesting because this is yeah. what happens when he directs a movie with an idea. It's yeah. the only. The only movie he's directed that has an idea uh, in the uh, way that oh, 13 sorry. Hours is the only movie that has a plot. 
Yeah. And 13 hours, I mean, like, it, it is very frustrating to watch that f- opening section of Transfibers uh, in comparison to, say, 13 hours, which I think is a much more, like, carefully edited and, uh, you know, easier to follow action movie uh, than, than, than uh, Transformers 5 is. Well, we just tailed off there, didn't we? Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we're ready to move on. Spirit of the Week? Spirit of the Week. Uh, you know, we did an early taping uh, today of the substandard. Yeah. Too early uh, for drinks. And, yeah, uh, my stomach's not ready for that right now, or my liver. Well, my liver's been... <laughs> hasn't been it's been, liver hasn't it's, been it's ready been done for about five years. 90s. Yeah, I was, I was about to say that. Uh, uh, but, Sonny, you have a Spirit yes. of the Week subject. Yes. Well, we went out for drinks uh, last week... Or maybe the week before. Yeah, we took was the, it the interns week out. It was nice. Yeah. We, t- we did take the interns out. How uh, was it? They did not drink. They were very They did good. not drink. Uh, and while we Are were- Are your interns not drinking age? One of them is the daughter of Weekly Standard Free Beacon uh, friend, Jody Bottom, Joseph Bottom. No kidding. The one and only, yes. And no. she's wonderful. Yep. Uh, but Would uh, you like to feel old? Vic, how old was she the first time you met her? I don't know. She was one. I believe- I think she was baby. four when I met yeah, her, no. and she's now interning for that's you. Right. That's, that's right. That's right. That's. Uh, so anyway, we we went out and we're you know having a having a get to know your interns lunch. Uh, so I ordered a shuffer huffer. Yeah, yeah. We were at a we were at a Belgian place. They had it on tap. It was terrible. It's it's really bad, JBL. Honestly, I don't know how you drink. That. I this thought, is I thought ridiculous. I took a sip. I thought it was Fanta orange. It was like I mean, it really what a is like garbage. Well, like, it really, like it really European is like European Fanta, which is better yeah, than like, American Fanta. It's like juice. It's like juice that just. I didn't ugh. taste any beer in it at it's all. It was grape, it's it's it like it's carbonated. It's carbonated grapefruit juice. Which like if you're into carbonated grapefruit juice, okay, you can have six of them without ugh. feeling a thing. It's fantastic. Shuffer Huffer, buy one today. Do you taste the? I don't taste the beer in it. Or you're not supposed to taste it. I don't know if you're you are. You know what? There's not like the Germans are not into telling you that you're supposed to do this or supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah right. Never. Exactly. They're very laid back. No. Interesting that the Belgians were serving the German beer. Yeah. Yes. Uh, corrections, additions. I have one. An interesting one, actually. So this goes back to uh, last season. Uh, uh, I talked about Dracula starring Frank Langella in 1979. The scary scene I was referring to. I said Lucy. Uh, when in fact the terrifying vampires was Mina. For some reason, they switched it from the Bram Stoker and the Francis Ford Coppola version. So I got that wrong. Also, here's a bit of trivia. Who directed Dracula 1979? I don't know. John Badham. John Badham. Your the fr- John me. Badham. My, my friend John Badham. Isn't that Badham. crazy? That's crazy. Yes. Okay. Uh, JVL, Sonny? I don't even remember uh, the last time no, we I take the show, I mean, yeah. so I don't have any corrections. I'm sure I got things wrong, but I don't have corrections for them. Well, then, on that note, I think that's all the time we're going to give to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments, tweet us at victorinamattis at Sunny Budge. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in substandard under podcasts, and we're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. And don't forget, the substandard show notes will be up on Friday at 11 a.m. Until next time. It was a good welcome back. Do you have any outtakes? I I have one thought, but yeah, that's it. Yeah.
we were we were Sonny, you were gonna say something. Oh well I was yeah. gonna I was gonna mention a review that we had. Oh, oh we, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we but then we we didn't do it there at the end. So are we not doing that anymore? We're not gonna do it. No, we hadn't discussed it since we did it. Okay. We were everyone should leave reviews. You please leave a review. You won't you just won't be read on the Don't worry, I'm gonna cut this entire section. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to hear any so. of this. Oh, good. Well, then I'll tell you this part, which is we were sitting around at my parents having a wonderful barbecue, sitting outside, just having a normal conversation. And my dad sort of uh, out of nowhere just says, yeah, did you hear that thing in the news about the guy in Japan who has this wife and they've been married forever, but she doesn't really like him and she doesn't want to sleep with him anymore. So now this guy... Uh, has this doll. He brings around a doll everywhere. He says he goes fishing with her, goes to the park, has sex with a, a, a robot a robot doll, and it like you could do everything with this doll, and it looks realistic. Do you know about this? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Did he then ask you if you could find it on the web for him? Yeah, I said, don't worry about it. I, I, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> 